Hi, this is Sarah McCaslin with the Forgotten Sheep Podcast. And in this podcast, we're going to be talking about some missionaries to Laos and Vietnam named Ollie and Winnie Ketzel. So, who are the Ketzels? Well, they were American missionaries during the communist takeover of Laos and Vietnam, and then later served as missionaries to Thailand. They were associated with the CMA, Christian and Missionary Alliance, and weren't only missionaries for the CMA, but also pastors. In addition, they were lifelong servants of the Lord with a humble spirit and a love for others. When they did retire, they retired to nearby Longview, Texas. And if you're curious about the source for the information for this podcast, or you'd like to learn more about them, there's a book called Bending with the Bamboo, Memoirs of an American Missionary Family's Life in Laos During the Vietnam War. And it was authored by Winnie Ketzel. So let's start off by talking about Ollie. Ollie Ketzel was born in Bowling Green, Ohio in 1933, uh, a little bit younger than my mother, and was the fourth of five children. Now, he was very lucky to survive his birth because he was born as what is known as a blue baby. So that was very, very dangerous for him. Now, his parents were farmers until they lost their farm during the Great Depression, which happened to so many farmers across America. So, all these parents weren't Christians, but his father ended up working across the street from a CMA church. Now, remember, CMA stands for Christian Missionary Alliance, and while his dad was working, his dad could hear the sermons broadcast over the church's loudspeaker. So that's how his dad began uh, getting some exposure that then exposed the family to the CMA and to the gospel message. Now, Ollie was an extremely hardworking young man. He also sang in the high school choir, and it was there that he spotted this pretty girl that sang alto. Now, this is where it gets interesting. He invited this pretty girl to go out to a movie with him, but instead... She suggested he go with her to church. Well, Ollie really liked this girl, so he was willing to go to church with her. Now, about a month of going to church with her, Ollie gave his heart to the Lord. Now, I think that's interesting. The various things that the Lord can do to draw us to himself. Now, Winnie... uh, She grew up in a Christian home, unlike Ollie, and her parents had given their lives to the Lord after her grandpa was killed in an auto accident. Now, Winnie also grew up on a farm, and she was active in everything that she could to help her parents on that farm, and that ran from milking cows to running the tractor. Now, missionaries were often visitors in their home, and Winnie became fascinated with missionaries at a real young age, And she had even decided to be a missionary before she was even saved. That's not really all that uncommon. Now, when she was about two months shy of her 12th birthday, Winnie gave her heart to the Lord during a church service. Now, Winnie uh, Winnie was a redhead. And, you know, there's a lot of... There's a lot of things associated with redheads, whether they're true or not for individuals. They do seem to overall apply to redheads. So, she did not become an angel instantly. And that's just as true of kids as it is of grown-ups. She still struggled with her temper that 
she couldn't blame on her red hair anymore. And she recognized that she was having this problem. She didn't just blow it off or try to excuse it, but recognized that this was not how the Lord wanted her to behave. Now, she was very active in church, and that included teaching Sunday school. Now, Willie, I'm sorry, Winnie met Ollie at church when she was 14 and he was 15. Now, Ollie grew very interested in this pre-redhead, but their courtship ended up being kind of an on-again, off-again thing. And while he was in college, this just, this just tears me up for Winnie, and I'm so upset for her. Ollie sent her a letter stating he had found another girl that he liked. And he told her in a letter. Can you imagine her distress at getting that letter? I mean, just from the way it's described in the book, it's just like kind of out of the blue. Now, granted, it was an on-again, off-again thing, but still. Now, Winnie got so desperate and so upset, she took her hand-stitched pillowcases from her hope chest and tried to give them to her parents. Now, if you're not familiar with what a hope chest is, um, I first learned about it from my cousin, uh, my cousin, Melissa, and she explained to me when we were pretty young that a hope chest was where you stored things that you hope to use in your marriage, like pillowcases or special uh, sheets or special um, doilies, tablecloths, or things like that. So in her hope chest, Winnie had these hand-stitched pillowcases, and she goes to her parents and insists they take them, and she said, I will never have any use for them. She figured if she didn't have that relationship with Ollie, there was just not going to be anybody else, which is not that uncommon for people. Uh, when a relationship fails to feel like that's it, there's not going to be another one. She did, however, still need them. So the on-again, off-again thing, well, the off turned into an on-again, and then she and Ollie were married after graduating from the CMA Missionary Training Institute in 1955. And after graduating, they served a two-year pastoral internship in Michigan. Now, um, as missionaries, uh, they got their orders from the Missionary uh, Society that they were being sent to Laos in Indochina. Now, they were in their early 20s with a 10-month-old son named Tommy and another baby on the way when they received this word. Now, I'd like to digress for just a moment. All of a sudden, I decided I should look up the correct pronunciation um, for the country they're going to, and it's not Lao, it's Laos. Uh, that's at least the best my uh, Texan accent can handle it. So I apologize for mispronouncing that. But let's keep going. So, their destination was Laos. They were in their early 20s, and they had a 10-month-old son, Tommy, and another baby on the way. Now, as is the case in so many missionary lives, it was really hard for them to leave their family behind. But they also knew the Lord was calling them to Laos and calling them to a life of missionary work. Now, if you're not familiar with where Laos is, it's um, kind of wedged between Vietnam, Cambodia, Thailand, and Burma. Okay, And... 
that's where they're heading. Now, I can't imagine the kind of worry and stress that goes along with this, trying to make sure that you've got everything that you need to go, funding that you need, and then worrying about those you leave behind. Um, you know, a lot of times you may have parents that are not well or brothers and sisters that are not well, things like that. So there's so much stress and so much to be concerned about as they leave. Now, they arrive in the country, and when he said at first there were only two things that successfully bonded them with the uh, people, the fact that they had kiddos and the fact that they had smiles. Okay, so it's interesting also how many times the Lord uses a family having kiddos, uh, children, as a, a point of reference, a point of connection between missionaries and those that they're serving. Okay, now, Ollie and Winnie, and since Winnie was writing the book, I'd say it was probably more Winnie admitted to being totally confused during their early years on the mission field. And, um, you know, for, that's true of a lot of us. We look back at our early years, maybe our early days of being a Christian, our early years in ministry, and you know, you can tell you had no idea what you were doing. You were... Um, confused but you know the Lord can bring us through that safely so they persevered and were soon much loved by the people they were serving now this is something else interesting this I love how much this seems to happen in missionary stories their first house was haunted now a lot of times this gives them an opportunity to get a house at a cheaper rate when it has a reputation for being haunted this also happened to uh Evangeline Booth, when she set up headquarters in Canada, they also rented a haunted house. The price was cheaper within their budget. And in, uh, in the case of the Ketzels, whatever that house was supposed to be haunted by, it never revealed its presence to them. So I always think that's interesting also. I believe something similar happened with Evangeline Booth and her crew. It may be after a short time they were in the house, whatever was going on stopped. That also opens up a lot of areas for thought about what the nature of hauntings is. But I digress. I don't want to let my ADHD get the better of me. So let's talk about their first home. These houses that they had in Laos, they are so cool looking. Okay, so they're built on stilts, and they have a wraparound porch that goes all the way around the house. And if you look this up and see, uh, find pictures of them, they're absolutely gorgeous, I think. Okay, um, the stilts were 15 feet high, and their particular home was built with two large inside rooms, lots of uh, windows, I believe with shutters, and this design gave them quite the bird's eye view of their neighbors. Uh, they may have seen some things they would rather have not seen, but, you know. So, Winnie and Ollie soon found themselves working hard to learn the local language and become accustomed to the culture of the people they were serving. And, you know, when I was 16, my parents moved from the Dallas Metroplex to Tyler in East Texas, and I thought that was a culture shock. No, no. Moving to a whole new country, now that's a culture shock. So, needless to say, they had some degree of culture shock. Now, the Laos Nation can be traced back. This is cool. The Kingdom of a Million Elephants under the white parasol. That is so very poetic. And it existed for four centuries 
as one of the largest kingdoms in Southeast Asia. Then it was colonized. Uh, in 1893, it became a French protect protectorate. And then in 1953, it became independent of the French. But then it began a long struggle against communism that finally failed in 1975. Now, the country is primarily Buddhist. And there is a name for the Lao fake folk religion, the Laos folk religion, that I'm not going to try to pronounce, but those are the two main religions, Buddhism and a folk religion, and their official languages are Laos and French. French not being surprising because they were colonized by the French. Now let's talk about their adventures as a missionary. I usually call this section um, adventures in missionarying, even though I don't think missionarying is an actual word. Uh, that's what I like to call such sections in my missionary talks that I used to do and in my podcast. So let's talk about that. In the early years of their ministry, Winnie was able to connect with a lot of the Laos women who were kiddos. And the fact that, like the uh, local women, she had a baby almost every year for several years. Now, that is so hard on a woman's body. I had a relative uh, who's no longer with us that had several babies in several years. Uh, she developed a host of health problems, including her teeth falling out, osteoporosis, all kinds of things, because trying to provide the nutrients for that baby as you're carrying it is just a huge drain on your system. So um, I consider her very lucky to survive and to do as well as she did. So she had that in common with a lot of the local women. And they were fascinated by how many of her little ones had flaming red hair and fair complexions. In a country where dark hair is the norm, I imagine flaming red hair is quite a sight and point of interest. And again, the Lord can use simple things like the color of your hair to help you establish contact with someone, okay, to establish a connection. Now, Winnie had help with taking care of the house thanks to a household servant named Me, that's spelled M-E-E. -E. Now, before you judge, uh, before we judge the Quetzals for having a servant, keep in mind that this was a common practice among missionaries. It was not a way of trying to establish dominance over people. It wasn't... Um, a colonialist action it was a way of giving providing some form of support to the community and the um, household servants helped a lot with them learning the language with learning the culture with learning how to interact correctly so please do not judge them for this but take it in the context um, of missionary work so now one of the cool things that I noticed in the book, because I always seem to notice the odd things, was that Winnie did laundry with a gasoline-powered Ringer Maytag. Gasoline-powered uh, washing machine. Thank goodness, with the price of fuel today, we do not have gasoline-powered washing machines. I actually was able to find a picture of this online. Um, it's pretty cool looking. Uh, still, there's a lot of work involved with uh, getting those clothes clean. But yeah, gasoline-powered Ringer Maytag. So, again, uh, talking a little bit more about servants. For anyone wondering why Winnie and Ollie had a household servants, this is Winnie's 
typical day. Working primitive appliances, the kerosene-powered iron. Guys, we're used to just taking our iron, plugging it in the wall, and it has steam and everything. Imagine if your iron was powered by kerosene. I would certainly have caught myself on fire by this time. Charcoal fires to cook on. Like camping every day, you know, with that sense. As I mentioned, a gasoline-powered washing machine. Okay. Then you add to that caring for a small pack of little children. We're not talking about two or three. We're talking about several kids. She definitely had a pack. Okay. And I can only imagine that it was trying to keep them under control, keep them safe, was akin to herding kittens. Shopping daily for the family's meals. This wasn't a thing where you could go um, pick up the meals for the, get, pick up the ingredients for the week. No, you had to get them every day. They didn't have a refrigerator. They didn't have an ice box. They didn't have a freezer. And then learning the local language and facing deadlines as to when it had to be learned. And those deadlines were um, established by the Missionary Association. And then while this seems like an afterthought pinned at the end of this list, it most certainly was not, but reaching out to the locals with a Christian message. So that was her day. And then let's look at Ollie's day. He's, his life wasn't any easier. Okay. Um, and I apologize if you guys heard my phone uh, ringtone. I hope it didn't get picked up in the recording, but... Let's talk about all these responsibilities. He also had to learn the language. He had to maintain the fencing with bamboo poles that he had to cut in the forest and drag home in a trailer. He had to keep the bicycle and Jeep tires inflated. He regularly had to perform repairs on the brake shoes and cylinders and uh, obtained 55 gallon drums of gasoline and then he had to filter that gasoline before it could be put into the Jeep engine. And then, again, this is not just an afterthought stuck at the end, but this is one of his major focuses was missionary work. Now, that is certainly not a glamorous missionary life, is it? Now, it gets even more interesting, guys. They had access to electricity, but only at night only between 5 p.m. and 7 a.m. So that was the only time they could use an electric fan in the hot, humid climate they were living in. Now, for water, it had to be gravity-fed to faucets in the bathroom and kitchen, which means they had to use a hand pump to get the water up to the 55-gallon drums that were on their roof. And they could only get warm water once the sun had heated up the drums. So again, this is certainly not glamorous. I'll be honest with you, this sounds like a whole lot of hard work. Okay? And one of the most difficult aspects, from what I've heard, of being a missionary with children is trying to decide what to do about their education. So... Holly and Winnie were separated from their children for very long periods of time, which I know, again, from what I've read, is very, very hard on the missionary kids and no doubt hard on the parents, too. 
So the kids were attending a boarding school for missionary kids, and the purpose was to ensure a solid education with minimal distractions. And, and this is, I think, a really good idea, to make sure the kids would be able to fit into the U.S. culture when the family went home. Now, this had to be so scary. The boarding school had to be moved three times because of dangers. Now, the kids kept in touch through letters that they went back and forth between them and their parents. Now, according to Winnie, these letters were absolutely hilarious and show that the boarding school was allowing the kids to have a pretty normal childhood. However, there was nothing that could take the place of having the entire family under one roof. And that was one of the many things that the Ketzels and other missionaries sacrificed in order to spread the gospel. And that's a big sacrifice, and it's something that um, we need to keep in mind. When we uh, look at missionaries, when we look at missionary kids, that entire family made huge sacrifices. And a lot of times, those kids made sacrifices whether they wanted to or not. They didn't have any choice in it. Now, notice I mentioned the boarding school had to be moved for safety reasons. There was a lot of danger and intrigue in Laos at this time. During the years that Ollie and Winnie were active, there was a lot of fighting as different groups tried to gain control of the nation. In 1968, Laos became a very active part of the Vietnam War. And between 1964 and 1973, the United States dropped 2 million tons of bombs on Laos. And Ollie and Winnie were not aware of all of these dangers. And so they're traveling through Vietnam with their kids in an open Jeep, guys. In an open Jeep. <laughs> I imagine they stressed their guardian angels out so much. Can't you just see this angel over here pulling on its hair thinking, Why are you in an open Jeep? There's bombs dropping. <laughs> so the uh, Lord certainly, certainly did protect them during this time. So, at one point, well, early on and no doubt many times later on, Ollie and Winnie were overwhelmed and frightened by so many of the challenges they were facing. Now, this is cool. I really like this, and I think this is a good uh, practice and a good role model for us as Christians. I really want you to hear this out. There were three things three parts of their response to fear and being overwhelmed. Number one, admit their feelings of fear and inadequacy to the Lord. I believe it was Corey Ten Boom that talked about confessing to the Lord. When you tell the Lord something, he already knows. The Lord already knew about their fear and inadequacy. So, Admitting their feelings to the Lord was not going to make the Lord think any less of them. And that's true of us. Whatever we're struggling with, we can be 100% completely open with God. He knows it's not going to make him think any less of us. It's not going to cause him to change his mind about us. 
us telling him something is not going to make him decide to punish us. It's not going to make him decide to make our life harder. We can come before the Lord and truly, truly bear our souls before him. And that was their step one. Admit their feelings of fear and inadequacy to the Lord. Number two, prayed for the Lord to give them the courage they needed. It's easier for us to pray, Lord, deliver me from this situation. But that's not always what the Lord has in store for us. That's not always the best thing for us. That's not always the right path. And there comes a time when we need to go before the Lord. And maybe not instead of asking for deliverance, but asking along with the prayer for deliverance. Lord, give me the courage to face this and make it through. They prayed for the Lord to give them the courage they needed. They had admitted feeling fearful and inadequate and overwhelmed, and then they asked the Lord to give them the grace to survive this, give them the grace to make it through. And that is one prayer the Lord will always answer for his people. No matter what we're facing, no matter the heartbreak we're struggling with, no matter the pain that is overwhelming us, no matter the trouble that engulfs us, when we come to him and bear our souls before him and ask for the grace to make it through, that is a prayer that the Lord will always answer with a yes. So in our situation, we need to go before the Lord and say, Lord, grant me the grace, grant me the strength, grant me the courage, grant me the insight, grant me the peace and calm I need to come out through this situation, to come out through whatever it is. And rest assured, no matter what the devil may tell us, no matter what people may tell us, no matter what discouraging words we may hear from others, rest assured that the Lord hears that prayer and will answer it. And the third part of how they handled these things is they admitted their feelings of fear and inadequacy and they prayed for the Lord to give them the courage they needed. They received the assurance that the Lord was with them. They received the assurance that the Lord was with them. The Lord would reveal himself to them in whatever way they needed at that moment. I am recalling Elijah and this still small voice that he heard with all these things going on. The Lord was there in a still, small voice. The Lord will give us the assurance that he is with us. With Winnie and Ollie, it was sometimes a scripture that would speak to their hearts or a hymn, or it might be a word of encouragement from someone else. But we will receive that assurance that the Lord is with us. And if the Lord Jesus Christ is with us, we can make it through anything. Jesus overcame death, hell, and the grave. The most ultimate things that we can face. 
And so we can be assured that if the Lord is with us, who can stand against us? So I absolutely loved this. This is how the Ketzels dealt with being overwhelmed and frightened. All right, so um, the Ketzels first arrived in Laos in 1957. 1961, they were evacuated to Thailand because of war. And then they didn't get their first furlough until 1962. And they stayed in the States for two years. Then they headed back to Laos. Now, they spent much of their time, both before their furlough and after, teaching. And they had to imagine explaining Jesus to people that have never heard of him, who have never heard of Christianity, who've never heard of the Bible, have had absolutely no exposure to it. Whether good exposure or bad, they don't know anything about it. That was the challenge faced by the Quetzals. So they used a lot of different methods to try to reach people. These included posters, recordings, and tracts. They did their best to help people understand uh, the gospel message. And a lot of times it was challenging because um, the people they were serving had spent their lives dominated by fear, dominated by fear of evil spirits and dependent on the protection of their ancestors. So you can see where it would be hard to just suddenly shift that dependence that you were taught from the time you were a child to shift that dependence towards this new Jesus that you're hearing about for the first time. Another complication is that many times if someone gave their heart to the Lord and they burned their talismans and they burned the altar that they made um, food and flower sacrifices, things like that. And I'm not now again, when I say sacrifice, I don't mean they're killing animal kind of sacrifice. OK, um, but when they would stop that, there was a very real risk that they and their family could be murdered or harmed. And so for someone to truly come out and say, I love uh, Jesus, I have decided to follow Jesus and forsake um, what everyone else around me is doing, that took a lot of courage and bravery. Now, um, some more kind of fun things on a slightly lighter note. Winnie gave birth five times, but she didn't do well when she had to be at someone else's birth. Apparently, it's one thing to do it yourself and another thing to be trying to help when someone else is doing it. Uh, now, she also, in her book, talked about glasses that had been donated to the missionary group. And these glasses became very popular at ladies' Bible studies because everyone wanted to put them on. So, um, I could see that. And Ollie and his colleagues had to deal with some potentially compromising situations as they were out working in the mission field, including have his hosts offer them their choice of young ladies for the night. So, yeah, that's very awkward. Now, in one situation, the Ketzel's little girl was sick with a sore throat and running a fever, and they were too far out to get any medical help. And so Willie, Winnie and Ollie turned to the native Christians to lay their hands on and pray. And you know what? That little girl was well the next day. Now, does that mean we shouldn't use medicine? Does that mean we shouldn't go to doctors? No. In this situation, for example, they had no access. Okay, absolutely no access. And the Lord healed that little girl. Sometimes 
The Lord heals through prayer alone, and sometimes he expects us to take advantage of uh, the medical facilities and capabilities that are around us. We cannot make that decision for other people, okay? If we see someone going to the doctor as Christians, we shouldn't say, oh, look at you, you don't believe in the Lord. And also, if we see someone putting their faith in the Lord to heal them, we don't have a right to say, well, you don't have good sense. The Lord expects you to use the good sense and, you know, go to the doctor. No, that's not how it works either way. Okay. Now, their influence among the people they were working with, the Buddhist and those following the native religion, their influence was undeniable, mainly because of the peace they had. Remember the three things we talked about that they did when they felt overwhelmed and afraid. They told the Lord about it, they prayed for courage, and then they received uh, confirmation from the Lord that he was with them. That made an impact not just in their lives, but in the lives of those around them who saw them able to maintain peace and calmness in highly fraught situations. Okay, now... They also um, got heavily involved in education. They were eventually assigned to teach at the Laos Bible Training Center. The CMA felt like it was time for the Quetzals to use their knowledge to prepare the next generation of local ministers. Now, most of the students were first-generation Christians, no education, completely unable to read. Now, Winnie was determined that they would be able to read the Bible. Okay, so she assigned a heavy reading workload in her classes. And she was not always a popular teacher, at least at the time. Now, in 1973, uh, many of the uh, leaders, including Ollie and Winnie, felt the Lord wanted their missionary group to host a young people's Bible convention. Now, there was a whole lot of prayer that went into this endeavor, especially among the young people themselves. So as they gathered, many coming in from considerable distances, the Lord began to move among them in an undeniable way. Their hearts were being touched. They were weeping before the Lord. They were finding new strength, new courage, new motivation. The Lord was helping them see what things in their lives they needed to change, and the Lord was confirming to them the things they were doing right. Hundreds of young people came to these meetings and were born again and empowered by the Holy Spirit, given the grace and the strength and the power they needed to serve the Lord. They said there were so many young people at these meetings praying and weeping that it sounded like a mighty wind. That should sound familiar if you're a Christian and you're familiar with the book of Acts. And the Kettles looked at this and they had never seen anything like this before. Now, I want you to listen very closely to what I'm about to say next. As it turns out, the Lord was reaching out to the young people right before their beloved country was to fall to communism. The Lord knew what was ahead. The Lord put a burden on the young people and the leaders to hold this meeting to give to through their prayers and all of that, to open the door for the Lord to move among the young people. And the Lord knew that this was necessary. And how gracious and kind and loving a God 
that would strengthen them before this happened. I think it's just so awesome. Now, in June of 1975, two years after that meeting, Laos fell to communist control. All missionaries, including Winnie and Ollie, were forced to leave the country. And this happened very quickly. Um, they were forced to leave behind their friends, their local co-workers that they had grown in the Lord with. They had been through so many things with and known for so many years. They had to leave them behind, knowing what was or suspecting what was waiting for them. And they had to leave them behind. I cannot imagine the emotional pain and the spiritual pain associated with that. The Ketzels knew that many of their friends, many of those that had come to Jesus under their ministry would face torture, persecution, and even death because Christians were not going to be tolerated under that communist regime. But they knew that the Lord takes care of his own. But I cannot imagine how hard that had to be. So they began to, uh, you know, they were having to flee. The regime changed schools, began fo to be focused more on indoctrination than actually teaching what the kids needed to know. Academics were executed in order to purge the country of their nefarious influence. If a loved one was sent off for retraining, the family could show no emotion or they would be sent with them. People were executed, sent to labor camps, tortured, and starved. An estimated 300,000 people were killed in the genocide that followed the fall of Laos and then 1.7 million Cambodians also suffered the similar uh, horrors. So, okay, so um, the Ketzels uh, returned home to the United States and accepted a pastorate in Mason City, Iowa. Their hearts, however, remained in Southeast Asia. Even though they were glad to be with their kids, glad to be in the same country as other family, they still longed to go back to the people that they had worked among. So the opportunity arose in 1979. They were sent to Thailand to work with the Lao refugee uh, camps supported by the CMA. And there were thousands of people fleeing to Thailand. And these refugees, life was hard for them. Winnie, in particular, spent many hours talking with the women and sharing in their heartaches and pain. Over and over, she heard stories of murder, disappearances, rape, betrayal, and starvation. And a lot of times, refugees would arrive in such poor condition that they would die just a few days later. And there were so many families that were torn apart. And to missionaries like the Ketzels, this was a perfect opportunity to share with them the good news of uh, Jesus. And a lot of the people that came to these refugee camps had sold 
everything they owned just for a chance not even a guarantee just for a chance to make it across the uh, mekong river to safety others risked their life and died in the process and conditions in these refugee camps were difficult and nightmarish um, there was chaos there was bigotry there was sickness the thai people complained that the refugees were draining all their country's resources but the lord was there ready to heal the broken and hurting and there were a lot of people that in the refugee camp that were being born again they were had lost everything including their religion and their hearts were ready to hear the gospel and if you go online you can look for pictures of this uh these refugee camps in thailand and it the conditions are pitiful they're crowded there's um it's 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 bad now um the work began to take its toll on winnie now she was already kind and sympathetic and caring by nature and she was spending hour after hour after hour listening to these stories of horror that these uh, refugees needed to share and she was there to be that listening ear but she fell into a depression it was a severe depression after two long years of working and as a result she returned to the u.s while ollie stayed in thailand and after about six months ollie also returned and they took another pastorate in iowa and after that severe bout of depression um uh, for eight years winnie says that she stubbornly refused to return to the mission field she was happy at the church and later she was able to work among mis uh, refugees that were arriving in california and able to start help uh i'm sorry my words aren't coming out right able to start helping them with establishing a's in churches however ollie and winnie began to feel the call back to the mission field and this was hard winnie felt like she knew what the lord wanted her to do but she did not want to go in that direction and so winnie asked the lord to make her willing to go back to southeast asia if that was his plan for their lives she had already years before committed her life to the lord and said lord i will do what it is that you want me to do but even after commitments like that no matter how deep they are there comes a time when certain things need to be reaffirmed and it's not always easy sometimes it's a scary thing to say lord i'll do what you want me to do lord i want this to turn out so that it is in your will so um an opportunity had opened up for someone to become the director of the cma's refugee outreach in thailand that position was offered to ollie and his reply was that if he was going to do it the lord would have to change winnie's mind and the lord was doing just that ollie sat down while winnie was ironing and began to talk with her about the opportunity and before the ironing was finished winnie had said yes now that's brave of her knowing the impact that all of that had had on her mental health 
and she was willing to go into it again but remember that she prayed that the lord would make her willing if uh the lord would let's see how did i have it here the lord would help her be willing if it was his plan for their lives so she didn't just jump back into this quickly there was a lot of prayer on her part that uh went ahead so um again remembering the toll that took on her mental health the lord does not put on us more than we can bear without providing us the help the grace and the strength to survive it it doesn't necessarily mean we'll enjoy it it doesn't necessarily mean we'll be happy the whole time but the lord will help us get through it now winnie did not serve in the actual refugee camps again but rather had an office job in bangkok which i'm sure was um the lord protecting her and it proved to be a time of mental and spiritual healing that winnie had desperately needed and so keep in mind that the lord is concerned not with just our spiritual health but with our physical health and with our mental health that is just as uh, important to the lord so they were still making a huge difference in the lives of the people the lord originally called them to as well as other refugees that were fleeing uh, the communists the group that winnie and ollie headed up in thailand um the uh acronym for it is c-a-m-a -A, was devoted to providing food medical care education vocational training and spiritual help to the refugees to help them get back on their feet in a new country now winnie and ollie returned to the u.s five years later in 1990 and began to pastor a church in california now here's where things get interesting to me in 1998 winnie and ollie officially retired and moved to longview texas in 2004 which is close to where i am in tyler they moved to longview texas got a lot of friends that live in longview now ollie um he passed away in july of 2014 and i forgot to write the information down they worked as long as they could they retired to east texas also known as the piney woods um just don't ask non-natives what they would call east texas because <laughs> but yeah so that's um that's what i wanted to share about ollie and winnie ketzel and again i do want to emphasize again that the lord is as concerned with our mental and uh physical health as he is with our spiritual health and your mental health can impact you spiritually okay if you go into a depression if you're having mental health issues it doesn't mean that you have sinned it doesn't mean that you've done something wrong it's a it's i mean winnie was there doing the lord's will she was there doing the best that she knew how when that horrible depression struck her which 
kept her off the mission field for eight years. But the Lord did bring her healing. He did bring her restoration. And so I think this is um, really a, a great story of hope. And um, for me, being in East Texas, it's also neat to read about some missionaries that retired to um, the general area where I'm at. So I hope you enjoyed this podcast from Forgotten Sheep. And uh, may the Lord bless you.